Hey, everybody. Welcome to A Survivor's Guide to Hell, the podcast. Thank you for hanging in there after last week, not really getting a podcast because I felt sick. You're the best. I'm PJ Aubrey. I'm here to walk you through this pessimist-friendly guide to finding the silver lining. Each week, we pick an unpleasant topic and share some stories and information that will hopefully help you laugh, help you find a bright side, or even change your perspective on something. Thank you so much for listening. Today, our unpleasant topic is... Homelessness. There's not many bright sides to homelessness. So today, we're focusing on the hopeful things. The things that link us all together, housing or not, and what parts of the soul we share in common with the folks on the street. Let's get rolling. This was my first attempt beginning this week's intro. Do you look them in the eye? Do you smile? Do you avoid making eye contact? I'm talking about the folks on the corner, especially in the middle of a big city near you. The ones with cardboard signs and boxes, the ones with nowhere to sleep at night, and little more than a shopping cart full of bedding to call their own. However, something about that intro seemed wrong. Like, Really wrong, actually. There were too many words like them, their, and the ones. Am I still talking about humans, or could this be an ESPCA commercial about poor, hungry puppies? Are the homeless a different breed of bipedal creatures? Or were these still other humans simply having a homeless experience? And those first three questions about eye contact and smiling, didn't I hear one of those from a song once? Was it country? Or was it a movie line? I'll look at a homeless person in the eye sometimes and offer a smile. Sometimes I don't, but that's how I interact with anyone when I walk down the street, depending on my mood or how occupied I am with my own thoughts. Should a little guilt trip about eye contact really be the first line in this podcast? I'd recently interviewed a woman named Sydney LaCour. You'll hear from her soon. She works closely with homeless youth. She used the term poverty porn to describe how some media outlets exploit the underprivileged to obtain more views, more donations, more whatever. That first draft I was writing for this intro, I'd bet it'd be a great caption for poverty porn. I'd been planning an episode on homelessness before I'd even started recording my first podcast or writing my first blog article. Was I just using some people's tough situation to get a second look from potential viewers? I hope not. This episode is a tightrope walk for me. I want it to be a little less, look into their empty, hungry eyes, understand their suffering, and give to the homeless. And a little more, remember your neighbors out there. They're pretty cool people. Don't forget your brothers and sisters on the street. Today, I'm going to do my very best to avoid focusing on the whole poverty thing. Yes, the struggle for the homeless is real, and we'll give you a few tips in that area if you'd like to help. But today, our theme will focus more on the human thing. We're starting at the top by interviewing the Salt Lake City Volunteers of America's Director of Youth Homeless Services, who has become a pro at seeing people experiencing homelessness eye to eye, rather than looking down at them from above. Then, we'll put our boots on the ground and ask for the thoughts of people actually experiencing homelessness. Don't worry, there's no room for guilt trips in this script. Let's get started. Uh, 
Act 1. What the Director of Youth Homeless Services says about being a good person. Let me tell you a little about Sydney LaCour. It took me months to finally get an interview with her, but once I had sat down in front of my webcam and began speaking with her over Zoom, I knew there was no snobbery involved in such a long wait. I asked her about her responsibilities, and the abundance of duties that she manages rolled from her mouth like a waterfall rolls over river stones. In other words, this was one busy chick. She's the director of Youth Homeless Services at the Salt Lake City VA and is constantly interacting with the 15 to 20-year-old clients that seek the help of the center. Not only does she take care of the red tape stuff that comes with wordy captions like contractual compliance and personnel issues, but her boots are frequently on the ground with the youth themselves. After a little get to know you, the questions began. Do you enjoy what you do? I love it. Like, it, it, it invigorates me in a lot of ways. It's very exciting. That's really cool. Why do you yeah. think that is, like, working with youth? Um, I think, I mean, I worked in the adult system, adults experiencing homelessness for a couple of years. And I think what was really hard for me is we would do all this great work together, but then they would end up dying. Um, And so I think, so I think a lot of working with the youth is exciting to me because, um, they are, they have the ability to really, you know, they have the time typically to really create (laughs) that sort of change that, um, that I think me and my team are hopeful will take place. That makes a lot of sense. I've never thought about that before. But you've got more or less blank slates. That's yes. an overstatement, but I think you know. Yeah. I mean. yeah. Yeah. The ability to really just take in information. And I think, it, I mean, it speaks a lot to the power of, you know, just our ability as humans to change and be adaptable. Okay. And so it's nice. That's what I like about working with youth. Also, for whatever reason, in all of the different places I've worked, the one common theme with working with homelessness is. I really appreciate the, their perspectives and the like unabashed way that they talk about things. It's like, I always, they're straight shooters. They don't, they don't have a whole lot of cooth. And so it's (laughs) really refreshing. You know, they're pretty candid about like telling you to off or leave them. (laughs) That looks like, but they also will tell you if something is awesome. And if they're appreciative to you, like I just really value their ability to really express what their experience is. It's mm-hmm. refreshing. Yeah. So you just cut past all the fluff, all the yeah. political correctness, and just get right to what they mean. Here's another question, and this is somewhat for the interview, somewhat because I've always been curious. There's just so much controversy over giving to the homeless. If you were to offer some sort of tangible assistance to a homeless individual, what would you recommend? service providers that are serving them can definitely help. But I also think like, again, we're all humans wanting the same Mm -hmm. thing. So if there's somebody that you feel compelled to give to whatever that looks like, do it. They're going to find ways to use if they want to use, whether you give them the money or not. Because I used to definitely be like, no, don't give them money. Like, they'll just do X, (laughs) Y, and Z. But when I was working in the adult homeless system, We had this man who was undocumented, had no way to work, but was, we were able to get him into housing. And so he had his apartment, but he had to pay $25 a month and there was no like 
assistance we could provide, like he had to figure out a way to come up with that $25 a month. So inevitably he would go fly a sign and, and get the money. But I was just thinking if people had like looked at him and been like, you know, you're this crazy homeless man on the side of the road, like you're definitely going to spend it on drugs. I'm not giving that to you. He wouldn't have been able to maintain his apartment. I definitely think like we all have instincts. We all have the ability to really, you know, tap into what our gut says. And so I always say, go with that, whatever that looks like. Okay, Sydney seemed pretty cool. I asked her about some of the resources that the youth have access to. So anytime between the hours of 8.30 a.m. and 7.30 p.m., youth that are experiencing or at risk of becoming homeless are welcome to just come in and grab what they need. Mm -hmm. So we have like hygiene items, we have washers and dryers so they can wash their clothes. That's cool. We have showers. Um, We have awesome volunteers in our community that come through and um, serve meals. The Youth Resource Center is really like a hub. So if they just want to come in and get supplies and head on out, they're welcome to do that. If they want to come in and um, hang out for a while, we'll have like different life skills groups throughout the day that they can attend. You know, if the weather's bad and they just need a place to kind of hang out, they're welcome to do that. Mm -hmm. Our hope is that we build relationships with them, with our staff that ultimately help them um, get into self-sufficiency. And so as part of that, we have um, at the Youth Resource Center several different housing programs, employment programs, um, including we have a cafe next door that we own called Mods Cafe. And so we do like training, um, employment training for the youth. They do internships there. We also have a legal clinic there on site on a daily basis if they have, you know, legal concerns that are getting in the way of them moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, so really, again, just trying to make sure that their their basic needs are met so that then they can kind of move right um, into wherever they, they feel like is the best spot for them. That is so cool. Very in-depth. Yeah, I love yeah. that. Yeah. Um, do you feel like the employment resources and the all the other resources you have directed towards self-sufficiency, do you feel like they're being utilized a lot by the youth? Um, it ebbs and flows. It really just depends on, you know, a variety of different things. Um, again, I think our strategy is really just trying to build connections and relationships because one thing that we've really studied is that power of connection. And if you have a relationship with one of the youth, they typically feel more inclined to engage in our services and programming. So it's, it's not just a job where you keep things in order. There's a lot of emotions involved in this, it sounds mm-hmm. like, because you're trying to be friends with all of these kids. What kind of effect does that have on how you feel when you go home at night? Yeah, I mean, I've been doing this for so long that I feel like I have a different kind of perspective. I think for me, what's hardest is really trying to help the staff that I oversee be able to really digest it in a way that's healthy mm-hmm. um, because it is it's very it's very taxing and recently we've had several clients that have um, have died and that's been oh. really really challenging for the team and yeah. you know really difficult for them to stay engaged in the work because it's heavy it's hard and then the other piece that 
I often have to remind myself and the staff of is once you start getting better um, or, you know, more self-sufficient, self-reliant, have those skills, we don't see them. Yeah. And so we're just constantly in the cycle of seeing people at their at their worst spot in life and just uh-huh. like their lowest point. That can be very taxing and draining. Wow. Not a lot of people have have a job like that. So human. What has your experience as the director of Youth Homeless Service taught you about what it means to be human? Um, I think Sorry. I've no, got a lot of Take your time. <laughs> a lot of thoughts coming in. Um, yeah. but I my experience has really been um how do I want to say this? I think o- overall my vantage point allows me to see many different angles of the system. I think what I've learned overall is all humans are trying, are seeking the same thing, right? Like we all just want connection. We want to belong. We want to know that we're, um, that we're safe. And so I just think even though I see people all the way from the director of our youth resource center to, you know, one of the youth that we have sleeping on the street, there's a variety of different functioning levels there, but ultimately like, everyone wants those the, that safety belonging and connection that's what i've learned in my in my position is we're all very connected and we all want similar things question went on a like philosophical esoteric just like <laughs> existential how how could you answer that question without being philosophical and esoteric existential it's a tough one so thank you Okay, your next one. Have you experienced any profound moments working with the homeless youth population? Yes. I mean, I see profound moments on the regular. I really do. But I will say, like, one of the things that's, like, drawn me and kept me connected to the work, this is a story that I'm not necessarily proud of or think that this is how you should do it. But one of the profound moments that I had was I actually, so I started as a frontline worker right on the ground, like working with the youth. This was like 10 years ago. Um, It was a really hard job and I hadn't anticipated the ways that it weighed on me, kind of similar to what we were talking about earlier, Mm -hmm. um, of just not really knowing how to manage a lot of the, um, the hard things that happened. But I was having a particularly hard day. It was just the drop-in center function. And so we would see, you know, hundreds of youth come in and out of our facility on a daily basis. And a lot of times I was the only one that would interact with them. Um, So it was pretty heavy, but also like allowed me kind of this connection with all of them that was really special. Well, I, yeah, I'd gone through like a lot of hard things and I ended up losing my car, you know, I wrecked it. And so then I was riding my bike everywhere. Um, And I started a weekend job that, um, where I got off at like midnight every night on the weekends. Um, And so I would ride my bike home and I, without fail, would run into the youth that I served during the week and they would be really concerned about me riding my bike on the streets like at midnight on the weekends and so without fail they would stop me and be like what are you doing 
out here, you know, and I'd have to explain, you know, like I'm trying to, I'm hustling, (laughs) trying to make, you know, ends meet and things work out. What was so profound about that to me was these people that I served on a day-to-day basis during the week extended so much compassion to my own situation. And they really, even though I was a service provider, they viewed me as one of the tribe, right? So they like were really invested in how I was doing and and uh, wanted to make sure that I was safe. I'm just always compelled by how much these youth really care about each other and care deeply. And that's a lot of how they survive. That That's one of the most profound memories that I get to carry with me forever. After all you've seen and done, what do you think it means to be a good person? Um, I, I really think that there's two components to that answer. So one is um, do no harm. Like that's a good piece of being um, a decent human. And then the other piece is doing your best. So if I'm doing my best and I'm not hurting anyone, that's a good human. I love it. That's so simple, but so solid. If everybody was like that, (laughs) we'd be in a really good spot. Yeah. Sydney LaCour is a person who makes her living finding people at their worst. She meets them at their level and lifts them from the ground up. She does this over and over, kid after kid, starting with some of the lowest moments of their lives and preparing them for some of the highest. I would bet she really does know a thing or two about how to be good. Sydney works for the Volunteers of America's Utah chapter right in the bustle of Salt Lake City. But the VA isn't just a Utah thing. You can find them all over the country where people like Sydney are praying that strugglers and stragglers alike will find their way into the VA doors. If you or someone you know struggles with homelessness, substance abuse, domestic issues, and other forms of vulnerability, the VA may be a soft place to land. You've already heard about their homeless shelters in this interview, but the VA also offers counseling centers, detox facilities, women's shelters, and more. If you're not in need of help, but still want to be a part of things, the VA is always open to donations and volunteers, like the volunteers that Sydney mentioned, who help serve food. If you'd like some good food in return for a good deed, then Mods Cafe is a win-win. You'll be supporting the VA with your purchase and giving at-risk youth vital job experience with your visit. It's a fun place. They have um, sandwiches and pastries, so come on over for lunch or, you know, coffee, whatever, you know, makes you feel good. Of course, there's legions of causes that may be important to you, and you can't support them all. Whether you give to the homeless, or children with cancer, or Syrian refugees, or your own family, there's still a common thread. You're giving to the human race. Like Sydney said. I think what I've learned overall is all humans are seeking the same thing, right? Like we all just want connection, we want to belong, we want to know that we're safe. Act 2. What the homeless say about being a good person. I asked Sydney LaCour many questions, but there were three that were most important. They boiled down to this. One, what do you think it means to be a good person? Two, what do you think it means to be human? And three, have you had any profound moments during your experiences with homelessness? 
My work with these questions wasn't done until I'd examined the other side of the coin. I had to find some people experiencing homelessness and ask them what they thought about all this. I didn't want to leave my unlikely podcast guests empty-handed, so I did a quick Google search. What are good items to give to the homeless? Socks came highly recommended. So did on-the-go snacks. I squinted at my screen. If I visited a homeless camp toting socks and granola bars, would I make anyone feel lesser than? Like they were a kid getting ready for their first day of elementary school? Or would it be like those stories you hear, where someone hands a homeless man a bucket of KFC only for the recipient to throw it away as soon as the donor wasn't looking? Still, I bought the socks and snack bars. Jerry and I headed to Salt Lake City in search of our guest stars-to-be, and it didn't take much driving on the outskirts of Salt Lake downtown to find what we were looking for. It wasn't a huge gathering of homeless men and women, like you might see in one of the parks in the center of the city. There were probably 10 or 15 individuals clustered around a sidewalk on the edge of a strip mall parking lot. A one-man tent bordered part of the sidewalk, surrounded by camp chairs, bags, and other basics of street life. The air was pregnant with the mingled scents of cigarettes and weed. Jerry stood back a pace, quietly observing, as I approached my first potential interviewee. There were plenty to pick from, so I zeroed in on a man about my age, with a thin beard and a slight frame. Like most of the folks there, he was layered in tattoo ink. With a visit to the barber, and maybe some more regular meals, I thought he'd actually be a very cute kid. Excuse me. I host a podcast and I'm just out doing some interviews right now. Could we ask you a few quick questions? Yeah, sure. Okay, they're really simple. The first one is, what do you think it means to be a good person? Just being genuine, like and being true to your word and then helping whenever you get an opportunity to, I guess. You know? Okay. Not really going out of your way, but I mean, at least, you know, trying to, I guess, be, you know, I guess a team, you know? Yeah. Like we were asked to accept each other for our differences and uh-huh. help out when we can and come together and work whenever necessary, but you know, it's like all in all, it's just mainly about treating each other right, building each other up and we were created to be happy. <laughs> okay. Positive energy, restore life, but I don't know. Okay. I could get behind that. Yeah. Um, what do you think it means to be human? To be human? Yeah. But they say what separates humans from everybody else would be, you know, the fact that we actually show compassion. You know, it's not just about like, you know, a life or death situation. It's like we actually care. We show emotion. I mean, I, there are supposedly, you know, everything shows emotion, but, you know, it's like just knowing how to be compassionate, help. Not just try to put all of the false front, I guess, you know? Okay. And like, just trying to, I guess, not to just try, to try not to just, like, I guess, manipulate someone, you know, and make them believe that you care. So, okay. I don't know. Sorry, um, I've been stressed out, so I'm like... I'm oh, you're good. Very well. <laughs> no worries about it. It looks, looks like you're in a bit of a rough spot. Oh, definitely. <laughs> yeah, you know, I know there's places that pass out food, but, like, they've been trying to make it a little bit extra hard, like, you know, trying to prevent you from money and uh, food and stuff like that, so I've been eating out of the garbage. And you got, like, you'll have random individuals that will just pull up to wherever I say I'm at. And like actually like just sit there and like eat all slow and shit. like you know like just, are you really proud to do something like that to people as like 
found out. I preached to my daughter, like, well, I preached, but so I was, like, straight up telling her, you know, we, we're nice to people. We treat each other right. We try to help each other, you know. I said, we're never doing stuff like that. I mean, like, so just sitting there thinking, like, you know, my eight-year-olds would, like, give you, like, a big rundown on, like. <laughs> That's great. Like, but peacefully, you know. She wouldn't do it, like, in a sense where, like, you belittle someone, you know. She just, really sweet little girl, like, you I never asked what your name was. My name is Jesse. Jesse? Jesse, yeah. Nice to meet you, too. Yeah. What was the name of your podcast? It's called Survivor's Guide to Hell. Yeah, that's right. There you go. Yeah, Yeah. there you go. You probably know more about that than me. Yeah, I know. I was going to say Survivor's Guide to Hell. That's cool. Yeah, that's cool. That's badass. And so what does it, like, pertain to? Like, what is it, like, based based? It's about finding silver linings and hopeful aspects of really tough situations. So... I offered Jesse a pair of socks and a granola bar, which he graciously accepted. Could I get a pair of socks, please? Someone asked from behind Jesse. It was another man, sitting in a canvas camp chair. Yeah! I handed him the socks and a snack, which he accepted with enthusiasm. Others noticed and graciously asked if they could have something from my humble grab bag. Soon the supplies were gone, without a single scornful glance. I wasn't done yet. I turned to the man sitting in the chair, the first to ask for his own pair of socks, and invited him to join the interview. Can I just ask him a few questions if you don't mind? I'd like to ask you for a podcast. If I I refuse to answer some, I apologize, but I'll do my best. Oh, no. Fifth Amendment, right? Yes, ma'am. All right. What do you think it takes to be a good person? Honesty, integrity, and not sharing communicable diseases like STDs. <laughs> um, what do you think it means to be human? You know, honestly, I don't know. DNA, man. As long as you have some good stuff, I guess you could be considered a human being. So, I mean, you all are in a really different situation than most people are used to. Have you had any profound moments living out here? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've died a time or two and had some good people bring me back to life. Died a time or two? And yeah. how did that happen? Um, just, you know, using drugs like an idiot and, you know, fortunately there were decent people to bring me back. Okay. Yeah. What's it like to be brought back to life? Scary. Painful. Yeah? Yeah. Is it scarier to die or scarier to come back? Come back. Dying, you just go. Come back, you just realize you was dead. That's terrifying. That's deep. Very deep. That's all I got. Thank you so much. What's your name? Beaver. Beaver? Beaver. Like Like the animal? Yeah, I got it. I'm Phoebe. Phoebe, pleasure to meet you. Yeah. There was a major difference between Sydney's interview and those with Jesse and Beaver. Sydney got to prepare. I sent her the questions in advance, and she had weeks to draw from college education, work experience, and personal life to craft a thoughtful response. Jesse and Beaver had to work straight off the cuff. I imagine these men's answers came from what they put the most effort into giving to others on a daily basis, or what they crave the most from the people they meet. Maybe both. Maybe neither. Either way, Sydney, Beaver, and Jesse's answers shared a profound similarity. To them, being a good person revolved completely on treating others right. It wasn't about success, power, money, or intelligence. It was about being kind, being fair, and not causing anyone any hurt. 
Being a good person meant being good to people. If I were with you right now, with a digital recorder pointed at your mouth, what would you say? What does it mean to be a good person? What does it mean to be human? And where do your answers come from? Perhaps it has more in common with people experiencing homelessness than you might have guessed. All right, everyone, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for waiting for this episode, and I appreciate that you're listening. It's time for our weekly Silver Liners Challenge, which is designed to be an easy, actionable step you can take to help boost your week and help you survive hell. Are you ready? The Silver Liners Challenge. I just want you to answer those questions for yourself. What does it mean to be a good person? And what do you think it means to be human? A little side note, if you're interested in leaving the homeless with something the next time you visit your nearest city and you don't feel comfortable offering cash, my new recipe is socks and snacks. No joke. Feel free to share your experiences in the comments of our website, survivorsguidetohell.com, or on our Facebook page. This is a podcast version of our sister production, A Survivor's Guide to Hell, the blog. This podcast gives you a way to access our content when you're driving, cleaning house, or volunteering at a soup kitchen. But if you'd like to see the videos and pictures that often accompany our posts, check out our website at survivorsguidetohell.com, where you'll also find much more information, including our storytelling code of ethics. And remember, if you liked this episode, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. We'd like to thank Sydney LaCour, Beaver, Jesse, and everyone else that helped. Listen, we are still starting out. If you would like to help support Survivor's Guide to Hell, you can visit our website for ideas. Probably the most important thing you can do is keep listening and keep sharing our episodes. There might be someone out there who needs it. Last but not least, our cheesy joke of the week. It's going to be a sock joke because do you know how horrible it feels typing homeless jokes into the Google search bar? Feels pretty crappy. (laughs) Okay, why do golfers wear two pairs of socks? In case they get a hole in one. Have you ever thought that all of your socks have holes in them? At least one, so you can get your foot in? (laughs) Interesting, right? All right, everybody. Thank you so much. I hope you have a great Monday, and I'll see you next time.